Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Man, it is such an honor uh, to get to be with you again here at JFA and just a privilege uh, to get to share part of my story as a parent, uh, as a mom, and uh, get to share God's word with you. Um, as Pastor said, um, he approached me and said, um, hey, we're doing a series called How Do I in January. And I was thinking, how about, you know, how would you feel about doing the how do I raise kids? And I was thinking, hmm, well, I know a lot about that. I mean, I've been a parent for 20 years. I have like six kids, two adopted. Um, I have like 75 JFA kids that I'm with every week. So I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I could probably do that. Okay, yeah. All right, so I'm thinking, this sounds good, you know, I'll do that, you know, how do I, how do I raise kids? And then he, he made me laugh, he, he just referenced it. He said, so, um, you know, maybe we think about what the topic should be, you know, how do I raise kids that I like? He goes, because you seem to really like your kids. <laughs> and I started laughing like, you know, I really do like my kids. You know, that's something important to teach. Okay, let me think about that. How do I raise kids that I like? <laughs> and then I started laughing. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. So I came in here into the sanctuary and I started praying. And I started thinking about uh, my life and my journey of raising my kids. And I started thinking about what has been my overall our overall strategy in raising our kids. What has been the main theme of my life? And really, ever since I had them, I knew the main theme was how do I raise kids that become my legacy? You see, I started out whenever I became a parent, and every decision that I would make, I knew I was preparing them for their future. And so for me, I read lots of books. I mean, 20 years ago when I had Chris, there was tons of books out. There was some called How to Raise Kids God's Way, um, Raising Kids That Aren't Crazy So You Don't Go Crazy. Um, I had this one book. It had a mom on the front cover, and she was vacuuming. How do I raise kids and, you know, accomplish all my chores? And I'm thinking, man, this is just a lot, you know? And so... I set out on my journey and I read all these books and um, I read all these parenting books and I read all these mom books and they just never really felt right to me. So the title of this message after praying and asking God, you know, what is the most important thing that we do as parents with our kids? Is it that we like them? Is it that we teach them your commandments? Is it that we give them a list of do's and don'ts? right and wrong, the spiritual checklist. All that's good and well, but what's the most important thing that you want us to know? And it is how to leave a legacy. If you could stand with me, we're going to go ahead and get into God's word. Deuteronomy 6.1, and I'll be reading in the ESV version. If you have your phone, it's cool. You're not less spiritual. I have an iPad. If you like your Bible, that's great, too. It's all good. Let's go ahead and read. Deuteronomy 6.1, reading from the ESV. The greatest commandment, it's called. Now, this is the commandment 
the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, so that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for this incredible opportunity, Lord, to share your word. God, I am so thankful that you want to teach us. You want to partner with us in raising our kids. Lord, you have not left us alone. You have not left us without instruction. You have given us a plan and you have given us a purpose. And God, I pray that you would open our heart to hear today your word, Lord, that we would not become discouraged, Lord, but that we would become equipped as parents and grandparents and leaders, Lord, that we can truly pass on your word to this next generation. And not only your word, Father God, but who you truly are in a relationship that we have with our kids, God. What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege we have to share your love with our families. God, I pray that you would give me the words to say that it would be yours. God, I pray that the call, Lord, that we would heed it, that we would hear your voice today. And I pray you give us the application to walk it out. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all may be seated. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses is giving the call. He is renewing the call, and he is warning the next generation. He knows that his time is short. He is the last of a generation to see the good old days, the mighty miracles performed in Egypt, the deliverance of God's people, the water from the rock, the defeat of their enemies, the constant care and provision as God led them through the wilderness. Moses is poised today, giving the call in this text to not forget what the Lord their God had done. He is reminding this new generation not to act in disobedience and disbelief as the previous generation did, who just kept wandering in the desert in disbelief until they died and they were never able to enter the promised land. As the children of Israel stand on the brink of crossing over to their destiny, the promised land, Moses knows he can't go with them. He knows that everything their nation has been through 
everything that God has done, everything that he has delivered them from. He knows he has to pass it on. Their most cherished beliefs, their belief in God. And he knows that unless he can give this message to this next generation, everything that God has done and everything that they have fought for will die. It's heavy. Because they're getting ready to step over. And unless he can pass this on to the parents and the young people, everything that happened in Egypt, every miracle that God did, the law, the Ten Commandments, every miracle, everything they fought for, everything God did was going to die. It was all resting upon the parents and the next generation. He knew that unless this generation heeded the call and loved God with all their heart and walked in obedience and chose to carefully and deliberately and intentionally pass this on, they were going to lose this next generation as they were going to step into the promised land. This is why Moses took the time to explain how and why it is so important for us as parents and leaders to pass on spiritual truths. And not only pass on spiritual truths, but pass on a presence of the Lord in our family and in the assembly. This was their chance. Everybody had died. The past was done. Now it's up to them. And now it's up to us. There was a battle. They're getting ready to step over in transition. I don't know if you know this, but we're in a battle. We're in a battle as they were for the hearts and minds of their kids and teenagers. They're in a battle. If they fail and don't pass it on, what's going to happen? Nothing. Same as with us. We're in a battle. And as they stood in that assembly that day, all the leaders and all the parents and Moses is talking to them. I'm sure there was a little pressure there. What do you think? If I stand in there, Moses was telling me, look, the fate of the future generations in God rests on you, mama and daddy and spiritual leaders. You know, I might kind of stress out. <laughs> I bet you some of those parents were freaking out. I bet you they were saying, this task is way too big. How are we going to know what to do? We see the call. We see how important it is. We're getting ready to cross over. We got to impart these truths. We got to impart our faith. But how are we going to do it, Moses? How are we going to do it? Moses gives him a plan. He tells him why. And he tells them how. You see, just as they were crossing over and the responsibility was on them, the responsibility is on us. Our kids are going through a lot more than these kids at the time. You know, in, in the context of this scripture, when they're saying, when Moses is saying, talk about it, 
You know, me and Pastor were talking about this. Probably in this culture, in this context, their kids worked with them out in the field all day. Their kids were with them. They were with their kids all the time. That was their culture. That's what they did. Another thing that they didn't have was another culture warring against them like we do. You know, we can't politely sit back anymore and watch our kids being inundated by this culture. Okay? I don't know if you know this, but our kids, they are in a war for their hearts and their minds. Social media, YouTube, TikTok. I ain't going to try one up here. Don't worry. That's not my generation. Facebook, Instagram. Moses didn't have that problem, y'all. We do. We're no longer the only influence. Hate to tell you that. Now, our influence is this small. Back then, these kids, they're with their mom and daddy all day. Everybody believed in God there. Not now. Our kids go to school. They're told what they're supposed to believe. Our kids, you know, go hang out with their friends. They're told who they are, who they should love, what should happen. They're told everything. They're told they're not enough. They're told on social media they have to be a certain way. They're cyberbullied. They're bullied at school. Messages, 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 inundated, influence, influence, influence. This is a different time, y'all. And if Moses was serious about it back then, I think we need to be pretty serious about it right now. Because what I feel like is happening, when I was raising Chris 20 years ago, everything was about how to be a good mom, how to be a good dad, how to pass it on. You know, even in Christian culture, I don't see a lot about parenting anymore. Do you? I don't feel like it's very popular anymore to talk about it. Like I said, 20 years ago, it was everywhere. You could get help for being a parent. There's books. There's classes you could go to. There was mops. There was all kinds of stuff. There was groups. You could get help for being a parent. It wasn't a big deal. Now, if you look in our Christian culture, all you see is, you know, leadership stuff. How you can be better. Cross over to your season. You, 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 you. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like Facebook, what they're being taught. It's all about you. Look at you. Guess what? He's trying to do that to us parents, too. We are not unaware of his schemes. And today I want to talk about that because I don't feel like it's being talked about in Christian culture. I love leadership stuff. To be honest, I probably read the most of that. I do. And kidsmen stuff. But here's my question. If all we're learning about is leadership stuff and me, 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 my season, me this, me that. Okay, here's my question. Who are you leading? Who are we leading? It's important that we be built up in our faith separately. It's important that we be built up in discipleship and become strong. But there's always a purpose in that. And it's to pass it on. Not just say, I went to this leadership and it's all about leadership and all this. Okay, if you're gaining all that wisdom, put it into your kids. Because they're going to be here after us. Right? So it makes sense to me 
Leadership isn't a bad thing. It's great. I love it. I love learning about it. I love it. Went to a conference this week. Loved everything that I learned. But I was texting Chris the whole time. You know why? Because he's the future, not me. He, do you know the average age of a lead pastor? It's 57 years old. I learned that this week at that conference. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this leadership conference, and I'm texting Chris truths. I'm texting him nuggets. Because it's not just about me. I'm going to go home and be a better leader. Hallelujah. I'm going to look good. I'm going to be a better leader. Well, why are you? Who are you leading? Come on. I feel like we cannot be unaware of what is happening. There is a battle for the hearts and minds of us parents and our kids. And it's way different than what Moses had to deal with. I'm not saying they didn't have it bad. They had it bad. They were crossing over into something. They didn't know where they were going. They were starting all over. They might have to deal with disbelief. Foreign gods. Battles. Well, I think we're still dealing with them, aren't we? Sometimes this... How do I raise kids that become a legacy feels overwhelming? It was for me when I had Chris, because I knew this is how I want to do it, right? Had a plan. Man, it was a lot harder, y'all, than I knew it was going to be. And that's how these parents and leaders felt in this context when Moses talked. They probably felt the same way as we do. But how many of you here know God never asks us to do something without equipping us. And that's what's amazing about God. You know what? He gave us this command. Teach them diligently. You think he was just going to leave us there? All right, good luck. That's not how our God is. He's strategic. He has a plan. And guess what? Moses didn't have a degree in child psychology, but he did great on this. He did great because... He has a plan, and it came from God, and I think it can help us today. So I'm gonna, today I'm going to give you three things. Everybody say three things that we can do as parents to help raise our kids and pass on a legacy because the way we do it and the way Moses taught us to do it is a little bit at a time every day. It's not this big, grand, oh, I can't do it, Lord, I can't read. It's this thing that's far away. No, it's right here at our hands. It's a little bit every day that we can do. It's practical. Jesus is practical. So here's three things. Number one, if you're a mama or you're a daddy, you might want to write this down. Or a grandma, if you want to pass it on. Number one. We need to invest. We need to invest in our relationship with our kids first. Before we pass on the Ten Commandments and the do's and don'ts and all the rules and you have to be this and you have to be that, we need to build that relationship of trust with them first. Otherwise, they can hear you. What are you investing in them? Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. 
It's always relationship first. And isn't that interesting? Because that's what this scripture says. It leads out with love. You shall love the Lord your God, he said, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These are the commandments you are to pass on. Love leads first. Interesting, Jesus said the same thing. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Love leads first. Build your relationship with them first. Then talk to them about the do's and don'ts. Then talk to them about the Ten Commandments. Then talk to them about purity. But build a relationship with them first. I promise you, they will listen if you invest in them. For all my type A friends out there, hi, friend. Here it is. Bullet point A. How to invest. A. Be available. If you aren't, I promise you someone else is. I read something in a Jeannie Mayo book several years ago. It was how to, I think it was how to raise kids in ministry or something like that for pastors. And I really love Jeannie Mayo. Anyways, in the book, she was talking about the importance of being available. And she said, be available for your kids to talk to you at night. Okay, I know it's tough, all right? Like I, like I said, my son's 19. I know it's tough, but this is a truth here. Kids and teenagers want to talk at night. They've had a whole day of messages They've had a whole day of stress. They've had a whole day of what's going on in their life. Usually at night, they're vulnerable. <laughs> we stayed up lots of late nights talking with our kids. They want to talk. Be available. If, you're a if you have a teenager, you know, very often, they'll start talking to you about what's going on in their life because they're tired. It makes them more vulnerable. Be available, or they will find someone who is, and they won't have any problem finding it, okay? There's people out there looking for them. So be available with your teenager. Be available with your toddler when you're putting them to bed at night. You know, sometimes they just want to tell you how crazy their day was. Start building that relationship. Be available. I know lots of times my kids, you know, they always want to talk to me about what's bothering them. And I was like, dude, I'm ready to go to bed, man. Like, you know, and the temptation is there. And just put them off. Put them off. I've been there. I'm tired. I've had a long day. I just don't have time to go in there and pray tonight. I don't have time to go in there and just sit down on the bed, hear about their days going. Listen, we got to be diligent. We got to be available because someone else is not too tired to talk to them. Change your bedroom, change your bedtime routine. If you got little ones and it's real strict, back that bedtime routine up. You know what? When ours were little, I had this time where I kind of did that where I started earlier. Now, there was four of them I had to go in and pray with and Luke. He always did really good at the bedtime routine. And I had this uh, for a while 
where I'd go into each kid's room and I'd talk to them. Just, just about drove us batty because bedtime went really, really late. <laughs> but they want to talk. Um, let them know you're ready to listen. Um, point B in investing. Point B. Care about what they care about. Get serious about finding out what they like to do, who their friends are, what their favorite music is, what's going on at school, who do they like, what shows are they watching, what games are they playing. Get serious about what your kids like. Find out. Talk to them. They might like some cool stuff. You have no idea. Maybe they're into art. You don't know yet. Ask them. What kind of music are they listening to? What, are they, what series are they watching on Netflix? Ask them what they are doing. And then, don't just ask what they like. Take a step and act. Invite those friends over. I know it's tough. Okay, this stuff is not easy. Invite their friends over. Watch that series on Netflix with them. It's a nightmare. I know. I, I've watched hours of Sam and Cat and all kinds of despicable things. I can't tell you, I can't even hear that girl's voice to this day, people, okay? <laughs> Nightmare! Um, but I did it for my kids. Watch a series with them on Netflix. If they like hip-hop and rap, you may hate it. See what they're listening to. You know what? You might want to listen to those lyrics. That's kind of important. You might want to know what they're doing on Netflix. Take them to do something with their friends. When you find out who they're hanging out with, invest in those relationships. Luke did something really cool. I'm going to mostly talk about Chris today since, you know, I'm done raising him. He's a man now, people, okay? So I'm mostly going to share my experiences with him. Uh, I think it was sophomore year. Um, Luke was always good at the investing. I was kind of more the uh, teacher and the scheduler and, you know, the intentional. He was great at relationship. And so he would always come up with these crazy ideas. And one time, you know, he found out that all the boys, when they were sophomores here, Chris and Bailey and Zim and that whole group, they were into Lecrae. Okay, Lecrae hung the moon that year and was, you know, he's still pretty awesome. You should check him out. Um, so they were into Lecrae and they were into making beats and they were into hip hop and they were into rap and they were into hanging out together. And so Luke decides to plan this trip to Dallas and he's going to take them overnight. All these boys, I don't know, there's like seven of them or something. And he's going to take them and they're going to get a hotel room and they're going to go see Lecrae and social club and all these crazy guys and everything. <laughs> and so... He was investing in them. Well, they went and they had a ball and they met Social Club. And I wish I had the picture. God did some crazy stuff because I think he was honoring Luke for investing in them, for investing in Chris, for investing in their relationship. I think they actually ended up getting to be in a video for Social Club that night. Yeah, so I don't know if you, maybe you'll see them one day. You know, if you're, if you're ever, you know, around Social Club or checking out their videos, I doubt it, but, you know. Um, he was investing. Invest. Invest in their friends. Invest in their relationships. Number two, 
Be intentional. You shall lead them diligently. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall teach them diligently. The NIV actually says, impress them upon your children. The idea of impressing in this context was actually that of a sculptor sculpting a sculpture. Very intricately and delicately writing something on the face. That takes time. It's an inscription that is slowly made, deliberately and intentionally, and it could not be erased. The phrase talk about them literally means to repeat painstakingly over and over again. It's the idea of bringing faith of God into every part of life. We need to be intentional being intentional about slowly etching, just like that sculptor did, onto their minds, our beliefs, God's word. It takes time, precision, it's sharp, it has a point. We have to be intentional. We can't just, oh, you know, they're just gonna raise themselves, hallelujah, Jesus is gonna take care of them. No, that's what the children of Israel did, they wandered in the wilderness. They never saw the promised land. They wandered. We can't wander as parents. We have to be intentional. We have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy. So in being intentional, point A, set up intentional routines to create moments. Morning time, drive time, bath time, bedtime, prayer time, there's all kinds of routines that you can set depending upon what phase and what age your kid is. And you know, as time goes on, the influence that you have gets smaller and smaller and smaller. When they're four, you have bath time, you have bedtime, you have prayer time, you have morning time, you have after school time. You have lots of opportunities to be intentional about etching God's word into their mind. The older they get, we're talking 17, now they're working, now they're driving, now they are on their, sort of on their own, they have responsibilities, they're more independent. Now you probably only have morning time and bedtime to impart anything. They're at school, they're working, they're driving. You ain't doing any of that cuddle time like you used to when they're four. Things change. Things change through the phases. So whatever phase your kid is in, set up a routine so that you can be intentional. Sometimes, you know, it's a drive in the car with your teenager. You have those moments to speak into their life. You have those moments to pass nuggets of truth on. When they're little, you have a lot more time. I used to be that mom. I used to be that young mom. This is reminding me of it. And my children would be going crazy running around the church. Ah, you know, one time one of them hung from the curtain in the cafe. I think it was my first Sunday here. Oh, Lord, about seven years ago. You know, and then you have all those older moms, which I now am, apparently. 
Uh, I'm okay with it. I've, I've come to terms with this. Uh, then you have those older moms who come up to you and they're like, oh, enjoy it because it just goes so fast. I want to slap that lady. You know what I'm saying? When I was 21, I want to slap that lady. When I was 25, I want to slap that lady. Okay, now I'm 41. Seriously, girls and dads, it goes fast. Cherish the time that you have. Cherish the moments that you have, because like I said, be intentional as it goes further and further down the line towards graduation. There's less and less time. So do the best with the time you have now. Be intentional. Share your story. Be intentional about sharing your story. Share with your kids about when you came to know Jesus. They want to know you're a real person. Share your story about getting baptized. I have a really cool baptism story. I share mine with my kids and your kids all the time. Sorry. Uh, Share it with my JFA kids because it was such a cool experience. And even though I was only eight, man, it was real and I felt God's presence. That's life to your kids. They want to know it's a real faith you're trying to pass on and not just a list of do's and don'ts. You know what I'm saying? Share your story with your kid at an age-appropriate level, whatever phase they're on, whatever level they're on. Start sharing who you are with them. You know, speaking of sharing your story, there is a time when your kids become teenagers that you go gray. No, I'm just kidding. That did happen. Once Chris started turning 16, I started growing gray. But when they become teenagers, um, sometimes in some situations, it's okay to share your past. It's okay to share your struggles. I remember there was a time when Chris kind of crossed that threshold, went into youth, about sixth grade, and... uh, Lucas and I decided it was time to share some of our struggles with Chris. Of course, he knew growing up some of the hardships that we had been through. But it was time to really share it with him. That's tough, y'all. That's tough. But I remember, I'll never forget this moment. I think Lucas took him on a drive. It's a great time, sixth grade. Go tell him about stuff. Um, he took him on a drive, and I thought, well, he's only going to get his side of the story. Also, <laughs> I got a lot to share. <laughs> That's okay, I'll tell him later. And so he came home. He was only in sixth grade. If he's watching, sorry. Um, he came home, and I'll never forget this moment. It changed our relationship with him, and it changed his relationship with us. He came in and he said, Mom, Dad just told me about what you guys had been through, about everything that happened. And I thought, Lord, what do you tell? I was like, what do I say? (laughs) How much did he tell you? (laughs) So I just said a little prayer and took a deep breath and I said, oh, yeah? He goes, Mom. I am so proud of you. You are so strong and brave. Thank you. Thank you for staying. Thank you for fighting. Thank you. 
Mom, thank you. I'm so proud of you. And he said, I'm so proud of Dad. I'm so proud of him for overcoming everything he has and everything he's been through and for still fighting for us. I'm so proud of Dad. That moment changed our relationship. It's okay to be real with your kids. It's okay to be human. Remember, you're not the superhero in their story. Jesus is. Make him the superhero. And every time you're willing to say you're sorry, or every time you talk about your failures, they will not think of less of you. They'll think more of him. Point them to him. Through your struggles, share your story. Point number three, ignite. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. This generation was ready to cross over into the promised land. Moses' job and the leaders in the assembly and the parents was for their launch. One way, point A, how you can launch your kid and ignite them for service for God is look for their spiritual gifts and place them in those places to use them. If you see a gift that can be used for God, partner with your kid in developing that. If they are an encourager, put them in places to encourage. If they are a leader, put them in charge over something at your house. Kitchen would be a great idea. <laughs> you know, when people say, my daughter's so bossy, I'm like, no, she's a leader. She's a leader. See that in her and put her in places to lead. Put her in charge. If they have the gift of compassion, talk to your kid. Maybe in your bed night or bedtime routine, if they start talking to you about, I know I've seen other parents in this church do this. I love it. If they start telling you, well, there's this kid at school. He doesn't have what he needs. You know, he needs this. He needs that. Partner with your kid. They're trying to use their spiritual gift. They're seeing things you don't see. God places these gifts in them now. It is not for them to use later. God wants to use your kid now. So start looking for their spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with physical gifts. There's nothing wrong with athletic ability. There's nothing wrong with being an artist or a singer but start looking intently for their spiritual gifts. Ignite that fire. God put that fire in your kid. The Bible says, fan into flame the gift of God. We can help fan that, us leaders and us parents. If you see they're a worshiper, get them a drum set. Okay, this is bad, y'all. I mean... I am speaking from experience, okay? I saw this gift in my kid, right? Bought him a drum set. He's drove me nuts for six, seven years. 
Okay, it will. And every time I would hear the drumming down the hall, I would say, God, this is an investment. This is going to pay off in his future. And every time that, I mean, I couldn't even watch a movie. I couldn't talk to a friend. I couldn't do anything because I just heard bong, da bong, da bong. <sighs> I couldn't even think straight. And Lord, I'm going crazy for my kid. Every time I heard it. And then here come the keyboard. Help me, Lord. And then here came the synthesizers. Oh, Jesus, Lord. This is going to pay off. This is an investment, Lord, for the future. This is their spiritual gift. I'm going to invest, though they drive me crazy, Lord. One day, it's going to be worth it. I promise you, parent, it's going to be worth it. Invest. If you need to get them a piano, get them a piano. Save up, get them a piano. Get them in vocal lessons. Whatever it takes, whatever their spiritual gift is, put them in those places. I promise you, you will not forget it. You will not regret it. God doesn't want to wait to use them. He wants to start now. So partner with them. You know, after Chris left, like I said, I've been hearing music since sixth grade. From his room all the way, and all his friends too. From sixth grade all the way to senior year. Music has, music is a big thing in my home with my kids. You know that? Uh, the beats increased. <laughs> you know what? It was really sad when he left because it was so quiet. One of the first things I noticed after he left was there was, there was no more music. Man, I would have given anything to hear Lecrae at that moment, <laughs> coming from that room. And though my girls are musical too, it's almost like they didn't know how to play without him. So there was no music. And now there is again. They're playing again. It's their spiritual gift. And I always knew it would be worth it one day. I always knew it would be worth it. So worth it. Find their spiritual gift. Invest in it. Point B to igniting the flame. Partner with your kids' pastor and youth pastor and next-gen leaders. I'm really passionate about this point. And it's not because I'm a kids' pastor. It's because of what I have seen these leaders do in my kid's life. When Chris was in about sixth grade, I was still pretty young at the time. I was really missing my family in Arizona. All my family was in Arizona. All Luke's family was in Arizona. And Chris had just started attending youth here. And man, I was really missing family. I was really thinking about going home. Just, we talked about it, you know, we thought about it, we prayed about it, we both missed our parents. And it was interesting, you know, praying about it one day, and God just tells me, no, you can't go. Ask him, he'll talk to you, mom and dad. He'll talk to you. Ask him. He wants to partner with you in your kid. He'll talk back. 
you'll know. So he says, no, you can't go. Chris has to be here. I think we just, not, not, I don't even know if he was on the worship team yet. He may have just started in sixth grade. I don't know. He says, Chris has to be here. Okay. He said, Pastor Erica has something that Chris needs. Put him in that place. He needs those people out there to help launch him to his future. Put him out there. That's all I needed. I didn't want to go home anymore. All of a sudden, I had a peace. I had a direction. And you know what else that gave me? It also gave me courage. Because there were many times from sixth grade to graduation that I thought, things are tough. But I always knew he's where he needs to be. If you have that confidence... No matter what they go through, no matter what they go through, it could be bullying as a kid. It could be who knows what they're struggling with. If you have that confidence, your kid is where they need to be. You can go through anything because you have that confidence. You know what's amazing about youth pastors and kid pastors? They see stuff in your kid you might not see. That's part of the spiritual authority that they have. God gives those leaders those gifts. Partner with them. Do you know that there are things that Erica had? I could not give Chris. I don't strum nothing. Okay? I can sing, but that's as far as he would have went. He would have been producing albums. He learned all that from her. I couldn't have given that to him. And even if I wanted to, do you think it would have been received the way it should have? God partners with other leaders in your kid's life. Don't don't be upset about that. Embrace it. Zach has had such an amazing impact on my kid. He's still launching him. And he's been graduated. You were probably going to help launch him for a while, brother. I love you. We're in this together. Partner with your youth pastor. They love your kid. They're here because they want them to grow. They want to see them become all that God has for them. Talk to them about your kid. Say, you know, maybe I'm seeing, you know, this one thing going on with my kid. Do you see it too? We do. It's a weird thing. Okay? I put my kid's pastor hat on. I see spiritual gifts in your kids. Zach does. Their small group leaders do. The girls' ministry leaders do. The Royal Rangers do. Because God created us to do this together. Every kid needs another adult in their life to help launch them. Parents, we don't have it all that they need. Hate to tell you. You might as well come to terms with it. Put them where they need to be with the leaders so that they can partner with you in becoming who God wants them to be. Partner with your spiritual leaders. The biggest theme of today is leaving a legacy. The power of leaving a legacy. I've given you three points today. I hope they help you. They've helped me a lot. 
three things that can help you launch them. I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come up. I came here today to give the call. I came here today to present the call again. Just like the children of Israel were standing on the threshold, we are as well. We're in a battle and we're in a war for the hearts and the minds of our kids. The way that we can change this generation is by doing it a little bit together every day. And I came today to make you aware because I feel like what's happening in our culture, even in our Christian culture, is that Satan is trying to outwit us with his schemes. And he's trying to get us to put our head down and think about what's going on in our life, what's happening in our world. We're just taking him to this practice, take him to that practice, do this. I'm going around, I'm going around, I'm going around, and I'm going around. But I feel like today God wants to show us that he's given us the tools. He wants to partner with us. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And guess what? I'm a little biased. He's got an amazing plan for your kid. Guess what? They're going to go further than we did. Right? Don't we want them all to go further? Don't we want them to cross over? We don't want them to stay stuck. We want them to go to the promised land. But we have to decide as parents and leaders to step out. We have to decide as parents and leaders that this is important. What could be more important than passing on loving God and his truths to the next generation? If we don't do it, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. When I think about my life, and I think about whenever I die, I don't want my kids to talk about how great I was. I don't want them to talk about how amazing I was. And I did everything right. Luke did everything right because we did it. I want them to look that I pointed them to him. It's really all about him. You know, God knows your kid more than you do. He just wants to use us to launch them to the promised land. I'm going to go ahead and have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes.